Hello and welcome to Connected, the business post technology podcast brought to you in association with Dell Technologies Ireland. And Happy New Year! As we decided, we'd have a proper Christmas break, proper holiday break, but we are back, back on the reg. And we have decided that there is only one appropriate way to start the year, and that is to look ahead to the rest of the year. And we figured as well the only way to do that is to do it, you know, because we occasionally have people from our sponsors, Dell Technologies Ireland, on the show, and. This is the type of show we want to get them on. So they've got top five, their top five predictions for the year ahead, for the 2021. Things you need to know about. And we're talking about in technology, just to be clear. So if you're looking for predictions on the Champions League winner, if you're looking for predictions on what's going to happen with the Olympics, this is the wrong show to be listening to. Or maybe it's not. We don't know yet. But to talk us through the five things we do know we're talking about is the wonderful, the great guest we have today, Jason Ward, the Vice President and Managing Director of Dell Technologies Ireland. Jason, welcome to Connected, man. I am. Great to be here. Looking forward to having a good chat with you today. So, Jason, just so we'll... Do Dell have predictions on who's going to win uh, various sporting titles this year or, you know, maybe the Oscars uh, just before we get into the actual predictions you have? I don't think Dell do, but I have a, a prediction that Man United will beat Liverpool, hopefully, in the in the Premier League. So that's that's one thing. And then I think uh, Dublin and the GAA will do seven in a row. So they're my predictions. Well, I, I'm hopeful for the, for the latter one. I'm kind of whatever about the, the, the former uh, because I'm a UCD football fan, so I'm just used to pain. I should point out because we, we, it's, a, it's a habit we've gotten into during the, these uh, times we live in that we make a point of saying when we're recording the show before we go out, just in case something else changes in terms of COVID regulations. So we're recording this 13th of January for anybody listening, which for those of you who are smart will realize is the morning after Manu went top for the first time in roughly a century. Uh, so that, that's, that's why it's suddenly this amazing happiness in Jason's side. Before we get into the five predictions you've made, I gotta ask, what's it been like this first week or so back for you on the job at Dell Technologies Ireland in the new year? Um, it's been pretty busy, to be honest, uh, Emmett. We're actually in the throes of closing out Q4, so Dell operates a somewhat different fiscal calendar. So our Q4, we're in Q4 now, and that closes end of uh, January, first week of Feb. So very busy uh, post-Christmas. There's a huge demand for digital transformation and IT innovation. So we've lots of customers looking to uh, continue to spend with us. So we, we really won't have a break until probably the first week in February, and that's when we start our new financial year. Well, breaks, they're a wonderful thing, and I won't be thinking about those for quite a long time. But fortunately, I do have great things to think about now. These are the five predictions that uh, Dell Technologies have made. So, Jason, I'm going to take you through each of these five. And you are, you're, like, you're the boss of the Irish operation, so you clearly are a fully well-rounded expert on all five of these. So uh, I'm going to go through them in the order I, I can see them here in front of me. And so the first one is that hybrid cloud will support a hybrid workforce. Now, this is one where, because we have to have at least one Emmett's dad state question every show. My dad's 86, not a technologically gifted dude, Jason. What do you mean by saying hybrid cloud will support a hybrid workface, workforce, even, sorry, in language that uh, Larry Ryan will understand? Um, to put it simply, hybrid cloud, I think everybody's heard of cloud, right? That's sort of uh, Azure now. You've got, you know, people are familiar with Amazon, Google. You get your Netflix, you know, displayed to you through your TV. You know, that's a cloud operating model. So you can plug in, launch Netflix, look at a movie. And that's effectively what is a cloud operating model. And more and more companies are looking to deploy that type of business service to their employees and their customers. And particularly now with, you know, work from home. What we found is, particularly last year, is lots and lots of organizations now um, are trying to automate their whole IT environment. So enable employees to come in and access their 
systems, their applications, what they do every day from a workplace perspective, you know, whether it's processing purchase orders, delivering invoices, they want to do that, you know, over the wire. So over work from home and being able to do that. So being able to do that in a hybrid way is particularly being able to do it through cloud technology, but also through technology that companies will deploy on-premise, on their own sites, and manage themselves. And, and that's fundamentally what Dell Technologies enables organizations to do. You know, in the, in the advent of COVID, you know, the statistics around data generation and growth have grown tremendously. You know, there's about 375,000 applications downloaded per second from the Google and App Store. You know, that's 375,000 apps per second downloaded uh, over the wire. And that's just in Ireland, right? No, that's that's globally. Yeah. Okay, not quite as not quite as scary. Not quite. I was thinking because the way you were talking there, and I, I don't mean that. Uh, whoa, that's a lot in Ireland, but even globally, that's a lot anyway. In fairness, like you know, three hundred seventy-five thousand per second. Wow. Yeah, like every every human creates about one point seven megabytes of data per second per day, right? That's just you know enormous. Like it's like an iPhone filled with data per day that every human is creating. I have a feeling that some of us, Jason, uh, not not looking at myself entirely, but might be more than the average human in that respect. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd have to concur with that. You know, if I look at my, I've got four kids, they're constantly streaming Netflix, they're on Disney Plus, they're on TikTok, creating videos. You know, business people like us, there's about 200 emails sent every second. You know, my kids are streaming Netflix every single second of the day. So you know, that's creating huge data growth, huge data volumes, huge IT requirements. And again, that's sort of what's driving this sort of hybrid cloud uh, requirement as well absolutely and i suppose in terms of sort of what it's going to mean for the workforce because obviously it's going to it's going to help them so for the workforce because uh, most of us are like you and i right now we're in our homes uh we might be doing podcasts like we are right now or it could be just doing regular mundane stuff but like you know we still need various tools various apps and various means of delivering those apps and tools to help us so how are we going to see that hybrid cloud make life well different or at least better for uh the workforce that's a really good question i think We've absolutely seen over the last year, particularly with the, with the pandemic, is that you know, companies have reduced IT staff, reduced resources internally to manage and support their uh, employees and customers. What we are seeing is that there's a huge amount of automation uh, that customers and consumers are looking for. And that automation enables people to work from home in a very efficient manner. It enables companies to patch, fix, maintain their IT infrastructure in a much more efficient manner as well. There's a reduced IT support staff in most companies today. You know, everybody's working from home. They need to access critical applications. And if you can't automate the delivery of those applications and services in a very efficient way, you know, it's very difficult to keep your business online, your employees engaged, interacting with your consumers. So that whole automation, we're going to see much more of that and, and what we call software-defined. So software-enabling new applications, new infrastructure to enable customers and organizations to work in a much more efficient way. We're definitely going to see more of that over the coming months. And we're going to move on to the second prediction here, Jason, which is new edge opportunities will come into focus. So what's this all about? Yeah, we've heard about cloud, as we've mentioned. So the edge is all around sensors, Internet of Things. We'll have heard around um, you know, how many connected devices there are and so on. But you know, the estimates from IDC, the people who predict what's going to happen from an IT perspective, they reckon by 2025, there should be about 75 billion Internet of Things connected devices and one trillion sensors in the world by 2022. That's a lot of zeros. That's a lot of zeros and it's a lot of sensors, right? But effectively, it's like, like you're, you know, if you think about it, you might have a fitness app on your, on your watch. You see people with smart watches, 
taking sensory data around if they go for a run. You've now got sensors in shoes like Under Armour. If you go running, it'll sense how many steps you've run, how many steps you've walked. It'll then recommend, you know, what you should buy. Should you buy a different type of shoe? Uh, should you buy a different type of diet foods? You know, in your fridge, you've got sensors. I recently put in new bulbs with the heat miser app so you can turn your, you know, your lights on and off. That's all around this new sort of area around edge, new sensors. And more and more people are deploying these sensors throughout their home. When you buy a TV, when you buy a fridge, you know, you've got Echo, you've got all of these new devices from Google and Amazon. And they're all what we call out on the edge. So collecting data points, whether it's in your home, whether it's in a manufacturing environment, whether it's out of your car, as I mentioned, you know, you could have them in your runners. They're now in jackets. So if there's going to be a trillion of these devices by 2022, they'll all be uh, projecting data, sending data back from the edge, which can then be used to you know, create new services, create new offers, create new interaction with consumers, and generate a huge amount of data that can be used to you know, run AI algorithms over to you know, develop new healthcare treatments and to develop new product sets that we can bring to market. And you know, all of this will be fueled by 5G. So 5G is really a critical part of this because 5G gives us 10 to 20 times the speed we have on 4G. It's like fiber over the wire, if you like. Although you got me thinking about the sort of the smart guy side of a thing with that, obviously. And um, well, I, would, I don't think it's come up on the podcast yet, but certainly regular readers of Gadget Guru will know that my favorite gadget right now is the kettle I got to review a while back because I can wake up and I just press for it to go on for coffee in the morning. And my water is boiled by the time at coffee standard, just to be clear, not just tea. It has a few different settings so that I can go straight ahead and make my coffee. As soon as I trundle into the kitchen for my bed, that like six meter journey is made so much easier, Jason. And so that's, that's what really matters for me at the moment is being able to make my coffee before I even left bed. And, and the new sensors as you're walking from your bed into the kitchen, Emmett, you know, the lights will be switched on, lovely mute mood music could be playing your favorite band. That can all be, you know, pre-done for you with based on great AI, AI technology. Well, you mentioned 5G there, and so I'm going to bring you on to Prediction 3 because of that. And that is that the acceleration of 5G will provide unprecedented levels of connectivity. Because I was talking to Daniel Gleason of Omnia before Christmas for our look ahead to the 2021, actually, and he was saying the great thing was that despite all the various challenges between the pandemic, between the assorted, like, you know, basis conspiracy theories, all the things that should have gotten in the way, 5G probably overachieved based on the targets of 2020 anyway in terms of rollout. Now, obviously... The rollout was kind of amusing and that a lot of the people who were going into cities were no longer going into cities. So where 5G was available wasn't necessarily where people were. But uh, it's sort of it's, 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 it's done better than expected in 2020 in terms of rollout. So I'm guessing you're going to see a lot more of that in 2021 and that we're going to see more people actually benefit from it. Yeah, look, I think uh, 5G is rapidly becoming, I suppose, the digital fabric of the data era. Um, and again, it extends the cloud operating model to the edge to deliver widespread connectivity, as I said. So you've got this cloud model and then you've all of this edge. Uh, connectivity, all these edge devices and sensors and so on. So 5G will absolutely be that sort of digital fabric that knits it all together. And if you think about you know, the number of mobile devices, you know, they're only proliferating. They're, more and more of those are being deployed. If you look at any family or you're walking to a restaurant or a bar when you're able to do that, the amount of children, the amount of people, old people, young people with phones is, is unbelievable. I think in 2020, there was about 14 billion mobile devices in the world. And that's expected to grow to about 17 billion. Um, in, in the next two or three years. So the number of mobile devices far exceeds the, the population that we have. So mobile, that sort of connectivity is going to be critical. And having 5G 
just enables like much more benefit to society. For instance, we've heard about autonomous driving. You know, that can be made absolutely possible with 5G because, you know, if you're driving along and the car needs to stop, rather than having to send a signal miles to a data center and back, you know, we can do that over the wire with 5G. And again, from a, from a healthcare perspective, 5G can deliver huge benefits. I think one of the, the key things for me is, you know, if you need to go and see your doctor, what the pandemic has shown, you know, lots of people are having consultation with their GPs over Zoom. But with AI and with 5G, you know, this diagnostics, we could do CT, MRI, and that type of, you know, movement of data uh, to a 5G network will be much more easy to do. So your, you know, your consultant uh, session with a doctor or a healthcare worker can be improved. You know, we can push that type of connectivity right out across the community. So 5G is, for me, I think it's going to be one of the really big game changers. And you know, our telco providers, whether it's 3Air or Vodafone in Ireland, have made great strides this year, or sorry, last year. I think we'll see a much rapid increase of that over the next 12 months as well. I think everybody's going to forgive you for the this year when we're still in mid-January, Jason, or barely hitting mid-January, in fact. So, uh, you know, because I, I, I suppose the, the big thing is remember to not sign, you know, 2020 on stuff at the moment, which is uh, the key thing to bear in mind. If you can achieve that, I think you're all doing well. And that goes for all the cult connected listening out there. If you're managing to sign 2021, good for you. Very good for you. Jason, I'm going to bring you on to your fourth prediction, uh, which is intelligent PCs will need to adapt to the needs of hybrid working. And obviously, we all know there's a lot of needs for hybrid working, but I suppose this is one of the things, because originally the big thing with PCs at the start of the pandemic was there wasn't enough laptops out there. So many companies had trouble sourcing them. Now it's making sure that the computers we're using, you know, whatever platform we're using, um, obviously, you know, Jason would prefer a certain brand. Let's not dance around that, folks. But, uh, that you know, whatever the PC you're using is, it has to adapt, basically, to the needs of the hybrid worker because they are different needs to the in-office worker really aren't they jason i oh, know absolutely and intelligent pcs we see this as a, as a huge area of growth you know as people adapt to new hybrid ways of working and learning the connectivity between you know end users and work or students and how they you know get educated today is going to be critical and these intelligent PCs will allow sort of new apps and services to launch that make it easier for collaboration within teams working in the office or working from home. And the beauty of it is, if you think about it, like Emmett, you'll, you'll use, uh, whether it's a desktop or a laptop in a certain fashion, I use it then from how I use my work applications. If I'm a student, you know, I'll want to use certain applications. If I'm a, a GP, I'll need to use certain applications. So there's, if you like, there's different images or personas on each device for different types of individuals. So the beauty of the intelligent PC is, and particularly from a Dell perspective is, you know, if you think about um, HEANET, right, we delivered nearly 17,000 uh, laptops across the island of Ireland, 36 different institutions, 13 different configurations for all of the different sort of individuals that would need to access and use those particular devices. So students, for instance, will have, you know, different requirements, whether it's Wi-Fi, Microsoft Office, different antivirus tools, different applications. And what we can do is we can you know, create an intelligent PC that we can then automate image specifically for a persona and then deliver to an end user. And then when the end user is using the device, say me, who's not very, I'm a, you know, I'm not very technical. Yes, Dell has very technical people working here. But for somebody like me, I just want to switch on my device. I want to go to the right application. And I don't want to worry about, hey, there's, a, there's an issue with firmware or patching. The system will automatically do that in the background. And then it'll become intelligent that it knows, hey, 
you know, once a month, myself and Emmett and uh, the Business Post get together, we do a podcast. It can then know that, hey, on that day, this application, Zoom, needs to be, you know, uh, spun up and we need to use it. So the whole idea of creating tools that are enabling collaboration, driving a lot of automation and benefits to end users is really what the Intelligent PC is about. And Dell, obviously, is the market leader in this space, is putting a huge amount of effort into, I suppose, making it life easy for students, for employers, for consumers to use these devices without having any sort of technical expertise. And I suppose the other thing, obviously, that is sort of all of this is describing is it's optimizing power usage and optimizing CPU as well. Absolutely. Like if you've, everyone knows, like if you've got a big Excel or PowerPoint running, you're burning through your battery, the system, you know, intelligent PCs and low look, you haven't used it for two or three minutes or you've done the calculation you always do, it'll turn it off in the background and it'll allow you to save battery time and so on. So it's making the whole use more efficient. And battery life is a key thing, right? Everybody, you know, the biggest bugbear for most people early on was you're having to plug in the battery, you know, you're on a train journey for three hours, it goes dead. So that whole, you know, optimization of how the device operates, communicates and interacts is really critical. And the PC, you know, we've got AI built into the devices now that will understand your persona, how you use it, when you use the application, and it'll, you know, it'll operate in that sort of model for you to benefit you as opposed to, you know, 10,000 people. Yeah, the uh, the great joys of train travel back when we used to do things like that, folks. Trying to ensure that the seat I booked or a seat I found uh, had a socket at it, like you know, and it was, yeah, and I, 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 you know, I've been working as a journalist on the road for a long, long time, and folks, believe me, this was the entire game plan was always built around where is the socket. Everything was, no matter where I was traveling to, it's where is the socket. Yeah, getting trains up to Belfast or down to Cork. We've a big campus in Cork. You used to get a train down exactly that. You'd be. If you're walking around three or four carriages waiting to find that ideal seat where you could comfortably sit and charge in and uh, connect. Yeah, so I, that's one of the upsides of the more modern laptops is that, typically speaking, most bus and rail journeys these days, a laptop will actually have the power to get through it. Oh, bless. These are the wonderful joys of technology of 2021 when we aren't getting any buses and rail journeys. But anyway, getting away from me, uh, l- lamenting the way the world is today, getting back to and our last of the five predictions, but it's the one I really wanted to bring you on heavy on because it's very broad in terms of what it's looking at. And it's very ambitious. Prediction five. Of five, technology will enable a new age of human transformation. Jason, that's some pretty pretty big picture stuff, dude. Look, I think for me, you know, I think one area where technology is going to enable a new age of human transformation really is around the amount of data that's in the world today. Like I, I think I mentioned it earlier, like there's what we call like 45 zettabytes of data, right? It's going to grow to 360 zettabytes. More data has been created in the last, for instance, year than has been created in you know the universe to date. And with all of this data, AI is going to drive a huge amount of benefits to society, I think. You know, we're, we're constantly hearing about, you know, how AI can help, you know, various different things. Like, there's a really interesting um, article I was reading last week. I think it was in um, Forbes, one of those magazines, but it was around a new artificial intelligence model that detects, you know, asymptomatic COVID-19 infections through cell phone recorded coughs. So effectively, these researchers have trained an AI model on tens of thousands of sample coughs, you know, as well as spoken words. And actually, when they fed, fed the new model through cough recordings, it was accurately able to identify 98% of coughs from people who were confirmed to have COVID-19, right? So, and, and the team, this is real, the team is actually working on incorporating the model into a user-friendly app, which now they're actually looking for 
what's called FDA approval in the US, and then they'll have a large scale rollout for a potentially free app. So AI is enabling um, that sort of capability. So the benefits of AI are just, you know, for me, they're enormous, right? It's, I think that's really where we're going to see a big sort of uh, benefit to human society and, and, and what happens into the future. But the other funny thing about it is, I don't know if you notice on, you know, whatever, you know, platforms, social media platforms you look at, but there's a big, big sort of spat between Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg. You know, Mark Zuckerberg is about, I suppose, Facebook gathering as much data as it can and using that to, you know, I suppose, generate profits for itself. And then you've got Elon Musk who's sort of saying, look, you know, AI is so potentially beneficial to society. There's the whole area of how do we manage it from an ethical perspective? Because, you know, these AI algorithms can do great, but they can also do harm. So who's ultimately going to police that is, is, a, is a big question that needs to be debated and worked through as well. So when you look at sort of what we're going to see in terms of that, uh, you know, human transformation in 2021, how are we going to see that? You mentioned, obviously, the, the, the coughing algorithm, which is disturbing in many respects to me. But obviously, I see the clear benefits health wise. But beyond that, like what other aspects do you think we're going to see this human transformation through technology just in the next 12 months, even even the slight ones? Well, I think areas quickly that are going to happen is AI, you know, it's definitely going to speed up analysis of CT and MRI scans. So for patient healthcare around cancer, heart defects, you know, you know, rather than having lots of consultants sort of, you know, retrospectively reviewing these AI, you know, these CT and MRI scam images, and we've had lots of issues in Ireland with, you know, um, cancer screening and so on. AI can certainly deliver benefits this year around a rapid review of all of these cases, which then can be sort of handed off to uh, the consultants to really use their time in a more efficient manner to look at the ones that may have false positives and so on. We'll definitely see a, you know, a speed up in that sort of capability uh, this year. AI, again, from a business perspective, you know, driving a lot of benefits around automation, how people use different applications, um, how we offer services, whether it's financial institutions, as I mentioned, healthcare, all, all of that stuff is available today. Uh, from an AI perspective. And the investment that we see in AI, you know, within our customer base and in academia is increasing, you know, week upon week upon week. There's a really interesting one called Gaia X, with the, which the EU is involved in, which is, you know, going to be one of the biggest funded data infrastructure AI programs probably we've, and we've ever seen. So it's like, you know, we've had the industrial revolution. We've now got what we call, you know, industrial revolution 4.0, uh, AI is going to be a big, big part of that. And I, I've got to ask you before you wrap up and get all to plugging your pluggables and all that is for you, just looking at 2021 in your job, really, Jason, like what are you seeing as being sort of the things that are going to be interesting and not just pandemic stuff if possible, but if it is mostly pandemic stuff, we'll, we'll forgive you, uh, that are going to be interesting for Jason Ward uh, for the next, uh, you know, uh, 12 months or so. And for me, it's going to be how do we develop and redefine these sort of water cooler type moments? <laughs> There's a great phrase, the ser serendipity of Silicon Valley. For me, it's with my team in Ireland. We've got 6,000 team members in Ireland. There has to be some new mobile virtual platforms that enable people to really communicate in a better way. You know, if you've got 20 people or 100 people on Zoom or Teams, how can you create a virtual environment that enables people to interact, communicate, have that sort of coffee morning session? you know, non-work talk, but sort of, you know, interact and have that type of human contact socially. For me, that's the critical thing. How do we develop that type of interaction for our team members? I, I'm looking to look at any type of technology that can do that or help our employees 
develop that better work-life balance. That's, that's a critical focus for me here in Ireland. I think, you know, Dale, last year we grew the business you know, phenomenally. Um, we're seeing great investment in digital transformation. There's massive acceleration in people investing in IT. But for me, it's around how do we now create that sort of camaraderie, collaboration between team members who hopefully we can get back to the office soon. But if it continues on like it is and they can't, you know, for me, it's around managing people's expectations, keeping team members safe, but also making work life enjoyable in this Zoom world, right? How can the interaction, the social connectivity between team members and families and friends become more personable, interactive over sort of a, a virtual session? Well, Jason Ward, you've been a fantastic guest. If people want to find out more about you, it's time to plug your pluggables. Where should they go to learn more about you and Dell Technologies Ireland? Anybody who wants to speak to me, you can find me on LinkedIn, Jason Ward on, on Twitter, jasonward.mc. Uh, Jason Ward at you know, dell.com. You know, reach out. Any issues, any challenges, you want to buy some new technology, you want to transform your business, reach out to any of the team members at Dell. We're happy to help. That's brilliant, Jason. Thanks very much for joining us on the show. As ever, Connected is sponsored by Dell Technologies Ireland. Our producer is Daco Kennedy. And, well, thanks to all of you, the Cult of Connected, for joining us once again in 2021. And we'll be back uh, very soon with another episode. And uh, on the reg from there on in for another great 2021. And until next time, I'll keep being Emmett Ryan. <laughs>